I've kind of geared this as a teaching, but you know, I, I don't do very good at teaching, so it just ends up preaching before it's all said and done, and and uh, you know, um, but I'm just so thankful tonight for God's grace. Amen. As Brother Mike said, redemption is a work of God's grace. That is His grace. Amen. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it today. Grace. A lot of people, and uh, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but some people teach uh, concerning grace in the church that it's, 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 it's a freedom almost to sin. I said, no, it's not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom from sin. Amen. God gives us the grace of God to, you know, be free from a life of bondage and sin and set us free so that we can walk in the liberty. Amen. And freedom of the Holy Ghost and of God and purity. You know, purity and holiness is something that it's, excites me. Amen. I can't say that I've always been perfect. I've always you know, always had a pure heart or always, you know, been everything that the Bible tells me I'm supposed to be or God wants me to be. But I can tell you, I want to be. Amen. How about you? And I can tell you it's only by His grace that we'll ever be anything for God or in God. But there's something beautiful about holiness and purity. Amen. It's exciting to me. I thank God because the Bible says without it we'll not see God. Amen. We'll not see Him. Pure in heart we'll see God. No, the pure in heart, amen, only see God. But I know without holiness no man shall see God. And we can only be holy when we're in Him. Amen. When we're in Christ Jesus. But tonight, 1 Corinthians, I'm just going to quote a just a, 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 a what I'll call a foundational scripture and then just speak what God has laid upon my heart from here and teach, preach, whatever, however it comes out. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul said, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Oh, thank God, amen, we, that the grace of God not be in vain in our life, amen. But He says, but the grace, but, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me which was with me. Amen. Not only was He uh, who He is and what He was because of God's grace, but it wasn't in vain. And He said, I was a laborer and have been a laborer. And all of that was because of the grace of God. Amen. And so tonight, let's pray over this Word and we'll get right into it. Father, we thank You for the privilege and honor to come and to be here in Your house. Lord, to worship You, to sing the songs of Zion. Lord, to sing the songs of redemption. Lord, with an anointing, I thank You tonight for Your Spirit and presence. Talk to us tonight from Your Word. Lord, minister through me. I am just Your vessel. I am nothing, God, but You are everything. I can do nothing but by Your grace. I can teach nothing. I can preach nothing. I can live nothing but by Your grace, Lord. Everything that I have, all talent, ability, Lord, anything that I have, Lord, you've given to me by your grace. And I pray that grace will be on display tonight, Lord, that your glory, Lord, will, will come and 
resound from this life and everyone else in here, Lord, for we want to honor and glorify you. We thank you tonight. I ask your blessing upon this word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I am what I am because of His grace. Now I'm teaching this, and I felt prompted this week uh, as I began to pray on Monday, the Holy Spirit led me to do so. He said, I want you to teach on grace, preach on grace, and stay there uh, on the Thursday nights until, you know, I lead you in a different direction. And you, you, I've studied this word grace, and I, oh my goodness, it is throughout the New Testament like a thread. I mean, you, you, it's there. It's so, uh, in, in all, so many different places. But the Lord led me there and He said, I want you to preach it for your life and for the church because we all need it. We all need it. It's something we need to hear right now. God said, this is what the church needs to hear. New life needs to hear right now. Grace Apply it to every area, in every situation, in anything. You've got to know that, uh, that we need God's grace. Now, in our text, Paul makes a very powerful, beautiful statement. I am what I am because of His grace. And as I said, put grace into any equation of life and you have God's ability at work. You and I can do nothing without His grace, but with His grace, it's God's ability at work. It's His power at work. I have shared this for years and said, talked about spiritual graces, and there are many spiritual graces. One of the spiritual graces we have is the Bible right here in front of us, the Word of God. Another spiritual grace we have is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Another spiritual grace that we have is the ability to be able to pray. It is a direct hotline to God. That is a spiritual grace. And you can see mountains moved out of the way. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's God's ability at work through you. We can ask and we can receive because God's power is at work. That is grace in your life. And so I want you to get that in your spirit tonight because we need grace. And in every equation of our life if you apply grace, you're going to see God move miraculously. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Now, what is grace? I asked Pastor Lee Ship because he's the one that I have learned more from about grace and, and the Word of God concerning grace than anybody. And he sent me a Bible definition. It wasn't something that he said personally, but it's something he sent me out of a Bible dictionary, and it was so powerful. Bless me. But this is what he put on my text. He said, it's merciful kindness which God exerts His holy influence upon souls to turn them to Himself. It is that which keeps us and strengthens us and increases believers in faith. It is the kindling fire that exercises a Christian to Christian virtues. It's what causes you to turn yourself to God. It's what gives you the strength to keep you serving God. And it is that fire burning down deep within you that increases and exercises you and I to the virtues of Christianity, amen, or of the faith or of Christ. Uh, you know, in other words, it's what's making you become like Christ Jesus and His character. 
you know, I added some of my own personal thoughts and I put, it is the very acts of the Holy Spirit, the actions of the Holy Spirit upon a believer to will and to do and to enjoy everything in their Christian life. God gives us grace, the grace of desire for Him that draws us to Him. Nicodemus was a prime example of that. He came because he was drawn by the Spirit of God unto Jesus. That was a grace upon his life. You know, because a lot of people did not do that, but Nicodemus did. God gives us grace for the ability or enabling to accomplish His desire and His commands in our life and from His Word. And God gives us grace for enjoyment in our Christian life. There's a lot of people that just don't enjoy their Christian life, but I enjoy mine, amen? I enjoy mine. I went to Home Depot today, and I got out of the truck, and I was looking at a man that, that was parking there, and I said, hello, sir. You know, a lot of people don't talk to you anymore. In fact, people don't seem to talk at all, amen? They just put their head down, and they don't even look at you. They're not happy, but I'm happy. I got my head up. I'm saved. I'm looking for Jesus, amen? And I said, hello, sir, and he said, I I said, how are you? And he said, I'm blessed. I said, amen, me too. <laughs> I want you to think about this. When I think of grace, it's synonymous with the gospel. It goes hand in hand with the gospel. It's, it is the gospel. And uh, think about it. Salvation is a continual blessing of God in our life. It's a continual blessing of God in our life. And the blessing, uh, the, the blessings, I, I know when we speak of blessings, people automatically think something material. Put that out of your mind for a minute. The blessings of God are joy. The blessings of God are peace. The blessings are God that you have peace in your home and a right mind. The blessings of God are like our brother spoke tonight. A testimony of, of, of many, many, many years of being free from drug addiction. Free from bondage. That is a blessing. See, the grace of God upon somebody was, was, was unleashed or imparted tonight upon you and I people begin to raise their hands because there's power in a testimony that's the grace of God amen what Mike could not do on his own what you could not do on your own God did by his mighty power as you begin to obey and come to him I know uh, you know I know that we participate in that you know but but it's the grace of God that draws us and woos us amen but think about it salvation is a continual blessing of God in our lives and if you meditate on it and you stop and smell the roses of grace you will see it's delightful it's joyous it's pleasurable and attractive and exciting. Amen. You know, I was talking to Brother Mike the other night and he was sharing with me how he uh, was an interim pastor just kind of filling in for another church for several weeks. And he said, every week I began to preach and there was a man in that church and he's all tatted up from head to toe. But every week, Mike went back and he's preaching to him and he's ministering in that church. And he said, I don't know if it's four or five weeks in, but finally, that old boy stepped out, walked down that middle aisle and fell into the altar and began to weep and cry and began to get born again and saved. The Lord touched him. He said it was beautiful. And as he was talking, his voice is quivering. I said, brother, I'm crying. Amen. I'm crying. I'm sitting here listening to the testimony. 
testimony of how God can save somebody. See, if you're a real shepherd, if you really love people, I can tell you, offerings aren't what make you happy. People getting saved and born again is what makes you happy. That's what rings your bell. That's what brings excitement and joy to your life. It is the grace of God upon somebody's life. And it brings joy to me. A real shepherd's not moved and rejoicing over, over offerings, but souls. Amen. Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. All heaven rejoices over one soul that has come to Christ. That's what he said when he said he leaves a 99 and goes out and picks up that one lamb. That one lamb that's been so far away puts him on his shoulders. The shepherd comes back and he said, just like that one that has been so far away, he said, heaven rejoices over one soul that's come to know Jesus. Oh yeah. Amen. Paul could say, because of grace, I am what I am. Because he was rotten. (laughs) Because he was a great recipient of God's grace and mercy, he could say, I am what I am because of his grace. Amen. You know his testimony. You've read the book of Acts chapter 9. You know he was a persecutor of the church. The New Testament church, when God was doing great things, people were being healed and delivered. You know, Peter's shadow began to cause men to be healed as he walked down the road. You know, it was beautiful what God was doing. And Paul was running them up, trying to put the people that were accepting Jesus and the churches that were sprouting up and the Christians to death. That's what he was doing. And he was a murderer. He'll even tell you that in the Word of God or he spoke of that. But if you notice, almost all the teaching that we read about on grace came from the Apostle Paul. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, I love this. I love to read the Scripture, so I hope you brought your Bible tonight. You should always bring your Bible to church. Amen? But in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, he said, Paul said, For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, the mystery of grace, the mystery of Christ, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, adding that as, uh, you know, to amplify the scripture, but he said, whereby when you read, you may, when, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. In other words, nobody's going to be left out. Amen. It's not just a God for the Jews. It's not just a, a Savior for the Jews or the Hebrew people. But it's for whosoever will. Amen. It's for you and I. It's for red and yellow, black and white. Every tongue, every nation. Amen. Every tribe. But he goes on to say that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body in particular takers of his promises in Christ by the gospel whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power what he was saying in that 
what scripture is. He's sharing. It was a revelation God gave me of the grace of God for a dispensation, a dispensing of time, a period of time. We're still living in the dispensation of grace and the Holy Ghost. But he said it was a revelation for a dispensation that was given to him. The mystery of Christ revealed to the Jews and Gentiles and how God gave him a gift of grace that worked through him effectively. Why? Because of the glorious salvation and change in his life. It's beautiful to read, you know, why God used the Apostle Paul. Why, you know, he did such a a tremendous work through him of bringing the revelation of grace to the church. Why would he use Paul? Well, because of the glorious salvation and the change in his life. I love it when he says in 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, and I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, he said, and worthy of all ex- acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief how be it he said for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life church what is he saying here I am what I am because of his grace God saved me a blasphemer Somebody that wasn't worthy of saving, but God saved me. And he said, I want you to know and everybody that hears, God is a long-suffering God. Oh, thank God he is. He suffers long with us all. Amen. Almighty God. And you know, with Paul being a religious zealot, I can tell you, He was very long-suffering with him. (laughs) Amen. You know, I remember it was Robert Frias. He came and preached one time and he said, you know, he said, people that have been, you know, God saves people out of depravity and all of us, he saves us out of sin, but he said he saved drug addicts, he saved, you know, people that were in the streets, gang members, all this that did horrible, deplorable things, you know, he saved them out of deep depravity. He said, but I have found in my life, in my Christian life and walk, that people in the church that, that have been in church their whole life seem to be the hardest ones to reach. God is long-suffering, amen, with us all, with us all. Praise the Lord. You know, that's why we need to respond to the grace of God, the grace of God that woos us and deals with us in our life, amen. Don't look at somebody else, Look, say, is it I, Lord? Look at me, because I've always preached this. When we stand before God, it ain't going to matter what everybody else did. 
It's going to matter about you and your walk with God and your relationship with Him. And, and did you make your calling and election sure? That's what's important tonight. But I'm thankful that He's long-suffering. Amen. Amen. He's long-suffering. And Paul the Apostle turned from a persecutor to a missionary. That's what grace does. He turned him from a religious hater to a lover of God and a lover of people. That's what grace does. He turned him from a reckless zealot to a passionate praiser because that's what God does by His grace. We didn't finish verse 17, but we sing it. And he ends that scripture in 1 Timothy. Uh, you know, 1 Timothy 1 uh, verses 12 through 17. He said, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. When God does something in your life, you will praise Him. Amen. That's how you know somebody got Jesus. That's how you know they got right. There's a worship, a desire, a heart, a passion to sing unto Him and worship Him. And Paul had a great testimony of what God did in changing him. God had to have someone who had an undeniable, miraculous testimony of the grace of God. I understand why God used him or picked him. You just read the word, you see that. You can't preach or evangelize with passion unless you understand the deep pit God brought you out of. Amen. But let me say, no matter what depth of sin or bondage or captivity you are at, it took the same grace of God for each and every person. Because there's people sitting in this building that never did drugs. I'm one of them. There's people in this building that were not alcoholics or they were not bound in certain things. But we were all, all of us sinners. We needed Jesus. Amen. Every one of us. Every one of us. You know, you know, the Catholic Church, they uphold Mary, but even Simeon said, you know what? The sword's going to go through your, your soul too, Mary. You're going to need to repent too. You're, 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 you may have been the mother of the Savior of the world, but you are going to need salvation too. Mary was in the upper room too. She had to be filled with the Holy Ghost too. That's why we don't pray to Mary. We pray to God. Amen. We pray to Jesus. We go straight to the throne room because we need the grace of God, not the grace of a human person only. But Jesus was God and man. We all are a work of His grace. And we all needed the blood of Jesus. So for just remember this. Don't ever compare yourself with somebody else and feel like, well, because I didn't have the testimony of the depth of sin that they have, that they had or have that my testimony is not you know it's insignificant it's not we're all significant in the kingdom of God amen we all are we all are the ground is level at the foot of the cross thank God it's not uphill for some and downhill for others it's level amen it's level praise God I'll say that again. The ground is level at the cross. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, that ought to make you shout. Why do we need His grace? Because nobody can keep the law. Ain't nobody good but God. We are all guilty before God and our righteousness 
is as of filthy rags. That's why we need a Savior. You know, Paul thought before Christ, he was a perfect law keeper. Did you know that? Let me read it to you. All you got to do is get in the Bible. You get to read the Word of God. It's all there. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, he said, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. What he was dealing with was, was the Judaizers that were coming to say, yeah, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, and yeah, he was a great prophet or whatever, but you need to come back to doing the works of the law. And he said, be careful of the, you know, the concision. Be careful of the evil workers. Be careful of those that are teaching you false doctrine. Beware of dogs. That's what he said. Beware of those, amen, that will come in and try to change you and take you from the, from the, the, the place and faith that you were in Christ Jesus, the belief, the redemption that you knew, everything, this wonderful salvation, be careful. Don't be pulled away from this faith that was once delivered unto you. He even told him in Galatians, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Who bewitched you? Who came and, and told you you could live some other kind of way or you didn't have to stay the course of serving Jesus or believing in Jesus as the only way? Amen. He was saying that and he goes on to say, you want to talk about Judaism. You want to talk. He said, let me tell you something we as Christians as people that are born again are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus we have no confidence in the flesh what he was saying is the circumcision of the heart the cutting away of the flesh we're those amen that have come to Christ Jesus and know that it's an inward work not an outward work of works that he's looking to do in our life that's who we are and he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh or in religion, if any other man think that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. That's what he said. You think you were a Judaizer? You think you? He said, let me tell you my credentials. Are you ready? He said, circumcise the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He traced his tribe. He said, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. <laughs> I wasn't just a Hebrew. I was a real Hebrew. Amen. My boys, we come out here. It wasn't too long ago. One of them, they were a little bit younger, but one of them said, you know what? We're rednecks. We laugh and we chuckle. I said, you're OC rednecks, okay? He knows I'm teasing him. I'm trying to preach your amen, son. Don't hold no grudge. I said, you guys don't even know what a redneck is. And then I grew up around rednecks. We were hillbillies. Do you understand that? We, we, we grew up in the sticks. Amen. I know what a redneck is. My family is rednecks. Amen. I understand that. I understand that. And, you know, but the Apostle Paul, 
He said, you want to talk about being a Hebrew? He goes, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Amen. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He said, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews is touching the law. I was a Pharisee. He said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. It's right there. He said, you want to know who I was? That's who I was. You want to talk about somebody that knows the law and knows about Judaism? He said, I know. He said, but let me tell you something. But what, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Let me share something with you. In Romans, he came to the place where God dealt with him and revealed to him that all of that religion and that that zeal and that that persecution that you think you're doing something for God, you're not Paul. It was Saul at that time of Tarsus. But he says in Romans 7, verse 7, this is where he came, he writes about how he came to this understanding or epiphany in his life. He said, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore he says, the law is holy, the commandment holy and just and good was then that which is good made death unto me, God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. In other words, what he was saying is I was the most religious person. I was a Pharisee. I was a Jew. I kept the law. I was blameless until one day God began to bring that law up in my life and show me by His grace how wrong I was. You know, some people need to come to the place and let God's grace, well, whether you want to let it work or not, it will work. I have come to this understanding that nobody gets away with anything. Eventually, we will begin to reap what we've sown. And God is long-suffering. He brings us to a place where He says, I'm trying to change them. I'm trying to do something in them. And I know sometimes we look at people and we think they're getting away with this. They're not. God, if He loves us and He does, He is going after them and His grace will catch up with them and will bring them to a place of change. Amen. We need to pray for people that way. God, Let the grace of God just arise in their life. Let it come surface in their life. Bring them to that understanding. Amen. Bring them to that understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Paul thought he's perfect. 
that he realized in chapter 7 of Romans, the moment God revealed to him his sin and how exceedingly sinful it was, he's speaking about how the ceremonial, civil, and moral law is not bad or sin, but it cannot save us or redeem us. And he said, I come to that place because God by his grace made it known unto me. Its purpose was to reveal our sin, the law, and the transgressions, and honestly, our frailty. Only by grace are we saved through faith in the finished work of the cross, and not by works lest any man should boast. It's all because of the enablement of God. One would be utterly discouraged having the knowledge that we are something eternal, and everybody has some semblance of that knowledge that we're eternal. You say, there's people, they don't believe in God. They don't. I'm going to tell you something. There is something eternal in every person that is born of a woman. They are a living, eternal soul. Okay? God breathes life into them. They are a living, eternal soul. And there are those, by God's grace, that they come to the knowledge of why they were created what they were created for. We were created to worship God. We were created in His image. We were created with a purpose. And then there are those that they reject that, but they're going somewhere else because there's still that eternity, that, e that eternal living soul in them. That's why they go to psychics. That's why they go to soothsayers. That's why they go to the occult. That's why they do all of those things. That's why meta I'm not medical science, but science, the science arena is shooting up rockets into the atmosphere because they're looking for something beyond themselves because we are created as an eternal soul and everybody has an eternal soul. And you're either going to find God and Him reveal Himself to you and, or, or you're going to search for it in something else and one day come up short and realize, I missed it. Oh, that's why we got to tell people Amen. Listen, God spoke this to me so much. He said, he said to me in prayer and, and as I would begin to study, he said, one would be utterly discouraged having the knowledge that we're something eternal and, 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 and everyone has some understanding of this or they wouldn't be trying to search out something else to try to fill that void in their life or that that desire, because I can tell you they want something outside of themselves. Everybody realizes that, you know. Some people, the fulfillment that they're trying to get is with everything they can get in this life. Through a high, through sex, through some kind of a gratification in their life. And they come up short. And they realize that the wages of sin is death. Soothsayers and all of these things. You know, they continue in that stuff. God is trying to bring us to an understanding and His grace is to reveal Himself unto us just like He did to the Apostle Paul. That we're created to know, worship, and serve God. But what do we do to overcome the despair of sin? The death feeling, because that's what it is. The spirit of death. That's what we're seeing in this world more now than I've ever seen in my life. The spirit of death. It's like a blanket. It's like a darkness that can be felt. You know, when the darkness fell upon uh, Egypt, when Israel was there and God was getting ready to release them and bring them out of that bondage and captivity, out of that bondage, there was plagues. And one of those plagues was that there was a darkness and it could be felt. 
We're living in a time where darkness can be felt. And you know what that means to me? That means God's getting ready to take His people out. Is that all I get, church, for that statement? If there's a darkness that can be felt, and it's like the days of the plagues of Egypt, that means God's getting ready to take His church out of that place. Rapture it. Call it home. People say, well, I don't believe that. I believe we're going to go through the tribulation. I said, help yourself. Stay in Egypt if you want to. I'm getting out of here. Amen. Praise God. But listen, we trust His grace and receive grace for every area of our life, especially in the times we're living in. God's grace comes to sinners who humble themselves and not to those who think they merit it. Nobody can work their way to heaven. Reminds me of the old lady that was, she was, she was a Catholic, and then she began to really come to the knowledge of Christ, where Christ was really revealed to her, you know. And, and, and she understood Jesus as her Savior, you know. Uh, a lot of people don't know uh, who Jesus is. They don't understand salvation. And so she laid on her deathbed, you know. She was laying there on her deathbed. She'd been serving God for several years. And, and they called in a priest. And he came in and he said, I came in and I came in to forgive you of your sins before you die. And you know, she still had breath in her body and she leaned over to him and she said, can I please see your hands, Father? And he put his hands there in front of her and she said, you can't forgive my sins. You don't have any scars in your hands. The only one that can forgive me of my sins is Jesus. She said, sir, I mean no disrespect to you in your office, but let me tell you something. I received the, 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 the salvation that only comes through the blood of Jesus. I've been talking straight to him for many years. And she said, I need him. You need him. And the only one that can forgive us of our sins is Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's so beautiful. The knowledge of truth that God reveals us. That's a grace too. But we tr God's grace comes to sinners who humble themselves and they don't think they can merit eternity on their own. There's no stepping stones. I used to work with a Mormon guy and he'd always tell me, yeah, you Christians, he said, you don't have to do anything to go to heaven. He said, we... We have things we have to do. And I said, well, let me tell you something. I said, Jesus already did everything that needed to be done. He didn't die for my sin, for me to have to work with what He did to get to heaven. I said, I know a good work comes out of my life because I can tell you, when He saved me, the grace of God as I opened up gave me a desire to do the things that God wrote in His book. He brought a change to my life. But I said, no, you can't work your way to heaven. It's not stepping stones. I said, it's by grace that we're saved through faith. Lest any man try to boast Amen. So God comes to sinners who humble themselves. Listen, stay here with me. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Praise the Lord. That's God's grace. <laughs> Romans 5. 
Verse 19, it says this, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Who is that? Adam. Okay? So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Who's the obedience of one? Jesus. Moreover, he said, the law entered that the offense might abound. We read the law of the Old Testament, and that tells us right and wrong. What God says is right and what is wrong. And the Ten Commandments are just ten. There's a lot more things in the Word of God that are commandments and things but those are the, the main Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not have any other God before Him. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Honor your mother and your father. Don't covet what your neighbor's got. Amen. Keep the Sabbath. It's holy. You can work six days, but you need to take a day and be with the Lord and let Him refresh you. Amen. The, the, the Sabbath is not so you can watch football. Amen. It's not so you can do anything else. Maybe something else you want to do. The Sabbath is for you to come and worship God and get rejuvenated and filled up and let God touch you. It's not to enter into something else. It's God's day for Him to minister to you and you to worship Him and rest. Amen. But he says here, let me finish this scripture. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Aren't you thankful that grace abounded over sin? No matter how deep your sin is, no matter what you've done, how far you've went, His grace is greater. We sang it tonight. Grace, grace, God's grace. It's greater than all of our sin. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness in your life unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I was reading, you know, in the Word of God, one more scripture, Romans 3, verse 23 says this. He says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, which is the cooling and appeasing of anger, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, amen, he says, I say at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. It reveals to us what Jesus did. Really the process of salvation is realizing God is real. That we all are sinners. But that God made a way to change that and forgive us of our sins and redeem us back to God. Amen. That's what salvation is. A person walks down here loaded down, burdened down with their life of sin. They fall on that altar and they weep and cry and they say, Lord, forgive me. Take this. 1990, I walked down the aisle in the middle. I was sitting about where Tom and Yesenia are. I was there, just sitting there, wept through the whole service. 
The pastor made the altar call. I'm telling you, he was a great man of God. Brother Don Dennis, the great preacher. And uh, I'd go to church and slip in there and just sit down and cry the whole service and go home. I was afraid to go to the front because I knew I'm going to have to give up the things that I've been doing. Amen. See, today it's almost like people don't, they, you know, you don't have to do anything. Just come. You don't have to give nothing up. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. God didn't save you to continue to be a sinner. He saved you. I know that we have a sinful nature and, and we deal with our flesh and all of that. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, He saves us to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Not to live in the oldness of that law or oldness of that old life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. It's hard to believe we could have ever done some of those old things. But we did him. But thank God he forgave us. But that man of God was preaching. And he opened up that altar. And God said, today, if you'll go down there, I'll save you. I'll save you. I'll heal you. I'll set you free. I walked down there to that altar. And I fell in that altar right about here. I remember I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. I couldn't stop crying. I just wept and wept and wept and cried. God just reached down and He just squeezed my heart. And He touched me. He redeemed me. He loved me. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing what God was doing down there. You know, I, I, I had some old Pentecostal ladies that got around me. They began to pray over me. Amen. They're weeping and crying with me. The church. I got up, man. I was a new baby. Amen. Brand new baby. Amen. You know, it was a small church, and so there wasn't too many people that come through the doors. But, man, they said, we caught a fish today. Amen. Amen. We caught a fish today. Amen. They loved me. They loved me. I went, went home, and my whole family knew something changed. Amen. God said, go home, clean house. I said, all right. I couldn't talk back to mom no more. God said, that's not right. Amen. Can't harbor those feelings. I remember telling my pastor, you know, I don't want to talk to my dad. He said, son, you can't go to heaven like that. <laughs> Sitting out on the tailgate of a 66 Chevy pickup, orange. Sitting there, he said, son, you can't go to heaven like that. Got to be forgiving. I began to cry as God's grace again. See, he saved me. There was things I didn't realize. He's plucking up, pulling up, uprooting. He said, you got to forgive him. I said, all right, what do I do? He said, make a phone call. I don't even know his number. He said, I'll get his number. We'll get in touch with him. I called my dad. Couldn't even talk. I was blubbering, just crying. I said, dad, I got saved. He said, son, I've been waiting for this day. I put you and your brother and sister on the altar years ago. I placed you there. And he said, I prayed and prayed and prayed. I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this moment. Amen. God saved me by his grace.
I stand here today and say unto you, I am what I am because of His grace. The Apostle Paul could say, I am what I am because of His grace. He pulled me out of a deep place. You are who you are in Christ by His grace. It's nothing we've done. Amen. We just responded and God did the rest. Amen. We just responded. But church, let me tell you something tonight. We need His grace more now than ever before. You know, we need His grace for every area of our life. We need His grace in the body of Christ. We need to be gracious to one another. Amen? Grace is gracious. Hallelujah. It's gracious. You know, grace is love. Grace is faith. Everything that we receive and God empowers us and enables us to do comes by His grace. So when there's somebody it's hard to love, He'll give you the grace to love them. Amen? When there's somebody you got to forgive, He'll give you the grace to forgive them. If you'll pray and you'll ask God, He will do do for you what you cannot do on your own. He's a God of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. What you cannot overcome, He will give you the power to overcome. Amen. Almighty God, aren't you thankful for His grace? Thank you, Jesus. We must have faith in this wonderful grace. We're enabled by His grace for everything. And that is just the beginning. It goes on from there. You need grace for ministry. We'll teach on that. We need grace for, for situations and circumstances. There's so many places grace is put in situations in the New Testament. And God's going to reveal it to us and show us. So when you pray, when you pray, all I'm asking you to do is with all sincerity, and I hope you get this from this message tonight, God will do great things through me by His grace. And when I go to prayer as a believer, I'm going to pray and I'm going to say, God, help me. Give me that grace. Amen. Give me that grace. Because He will. You know, there have been times whenever I had people that left the church and it just broke my heart. Amen. You're not a shepherd if it doesn't hurt you when people go. It hurts. You, you can talk to Brother Mike. You can talk to people that have been in the ministry. It hurts. You love people. Amen. And, uh, but, but it breaks your heart. But I've got down before many times so brokenhearted. Just almost depression set in. You just think, man, because the devil just comes and just pounces on you. You know, you did this or you didn't do this or you didn't whatever. Just compounds that and magnifies it. I'm sitting there, and one time I was so broken, I said, God, I cannot get through this, but by your grace, please, please, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm a child of God. I don't have to beg. I'm a child of God. I'm your son. I don't have to beg. But I'm asking you. That's how desperate I am. I'm so hurt. Please lift this. And it's like, God just took it. It just, I was like, man, I was all right. He knows how to do that. Amen. In his grace, beautiful. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me. Is Cameron and Kyle in here or just Kyle? Amen. Amen. Kyle, come get on the drums. We're going to close with the song. If Cameron's here, have him come on up here. If he's not, that's all right. Amen. We're going to sing that song. Amen. Grace, grace, God's grace. 
Thank you, Jesus. Would you just lift your hands up in the air and just begin to praise Him?